Good afternoon, everybody. You're listening to Take to Take on Spirit Live for the first time with a little bit of entrance music. We uh, we finally know how to do this radio thing a little bit. Get, we're, we're slowly improving here. A little um, bit. <laughs> it is uh, Tuesday, just past noon. That means you're listening to Take to Take here on Spirit Live Radio at Ryerson University. My name is Nick Robinson. I'm joined alongside, as always, by Patrick Tallon and Luke Burrows. Uh, we had a bit of a slower news week in the NHL. Doesn't mean it was not a big week for hockey news in general. We're going to be talking about the Canadian Women's Hockey League shutting down, what that means for the future of the women's sport. Uh, we're also going to do some preview for the NHL awards since we are in the home stretch of the NHL season. And then we're going to just do a little bit of a news table because... Uh, Playoff race is heating up. Everybody's in their last three or four games here. And uh, it's exciting times. It's always a fun time of year if your team's contending. Uh, we've got two teams here at the table not contending, so it's not a very fun time of year. We've got one team here to my left here, Patrick. Montreal Canadiens right in the thick of the playoff race trying to get in. But uh, without further ado, we will begin. And uh, Luke, I guess I'll throw it over to you. Alrighty, so we can start with the... Um the sudden and unexpected um, fold of the CWHL announced on the 31st of March. Uh, just a little uh, excerpt from the statement made, um, and I quote, The Board of Directors of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, CWHL, has made the decision to discontinue operations effective May 1st, 2019. Unfortunately, while the on-ice hockey is exceptional, the business model has proven to be economically unsustainable. Um, and I'll also just add a response from um, NWHL, National Women's Hockey League Commissioner Danny Rylan. Um, and I'll just read the, the notable parts. Um, we had an excellent meeting with the CWHL in January where we presented significant proposals to them about forming one league, and we agreed to meet again in April. We are sorry to know those talks will not continue. We wish the best to Jaina Hefford and, the, and everyone involved in the CWHL. So obviously, um, shocking news, sad news, disappointing news for sure, coming um, coming very shortly after the end of the CWHL season. And I know for me specifically, um, I I felt there was a lot more uh, relevance and notability around the CWHL. And I I don't know, I guess shock is maybe the best way to put it. Um, what are you guys thinking? Well, last week there were uh, the viewership actually hit the record high with 175,000 fans who tuned in to watch the 12th edition of the Clarkson Cup. Um, and the game delivered. It was an excellent game. And I feel like women's hockey, um, it gets a knack for not being as uh, physical as, say, men's hockey. But I had the privilege of covering uh, the women's team in Queens. And it's just a different, it's just a completely different game. Uh, I feel like there's more creativity. The games tend to be higher scoring as well. And um, 
I feel like it's it's unfortunate because there are a lot of young female athletes who want to grow up and, and follow their leaders who are who do play in the CWHL and they may not get that chance now or they may be discouraged because of the league folding. Um, so it, it really is unfortunate. And I know that here at Ryerson, um, some of our fellow students had the privilege of working on the CWHL awards and just it's uh, it really is unfortunate. And I, hopefully something can be resolved and, and worked out soon. Yeah, I, for me, I was a little disappointed personally because uh, I really, uh, and full honestly, just like a lot of people, just didn't know that much about women's hockey. Um, and I've personally done a lot of growing in that throughout the school year here. I've had the privilege of uh, working a couple of times with the women's hockey team here at Ryerson um, for a couple of their broadcasts. And for me, it was a huge learning experience and learning that... Uh, you know, women's hockey is continuing to grow, and it's really upsetting when you see think about uh, all the little girls now that look up to some of these women's hockey players, and they're not going to be able to watch them this season. There's a possibility, and going forward, it's really unfortunate. And um, obviously, like many Canadians, I was a big fan of the Canadian women's Olympic team um, and their past success, and it, it's just like completely heartbreaking, um, especially when you think about some of the players like Marie-Philippe Poulain, who are you know, some of the greatest women's players of all time, and they may very well lose a year of their careers right in the middle of their prime. So, like, I, I, to me, that's just extremely upsetting. Yeah, I mean, I think... I'm, I'm not really sure where um, where we can even look at discussing or going next. Obviously, it's still, it's still fresh. There's talks about... I mean, there were... Um, but the NHL this, getting involved? The NHL... Yeah. Um, also the NWHL, but obviously they released a statement. It doesn't sound like that's yeah. uh, going to go anywhere. But yeah, there's obviously the potential of the NHL getting involved. Um, I'm sure they're going to look into it. I'm not sure if they've explicitly said anything regarding that, um, but I I absolutely assume that's a possibility. For me, I think it's this is definitely an opportunity for the NHL to put its money where its mouth is, and if they're very serious about growing the game... Um, then I like this is a beautiful opportunity for them, yeah. really, to try and step in here and, you know, sort of maybe merge the two leagues, if at all possible, because it, it it's so crucial for me. I, like, I think a lot of people view it as completely crucial that, like, the CWHL and these teams need to exist because it's so important for the growth of the women's game here in Canada, yeah. and it's only gaining popularity. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's, and, and it's, just to go back to younger women athletes as well, as I feel like um, there's seems to be maybe a little bit more encouragement towards men when they start sports at a young age compared to women, and I feel like that's one of it's one of the inequities that should be uh, should be rectified. And I feel like uh, going forward, it's not really uh, it's something that needs to change. And I feel like that's something that not pe- not enough people take into consideration. Um, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that that pretty much does it for the uh, for women's hockey topic. Uh, obviously, wish we could say more about it, but um, yeah, it's just we can only sit here and hope for the best out of the situation. All right, uh, did we want to get into a uh, bit of a better, happier topic on uh, the NHL awards? So obviously, like we said off the top of the show, the NHL season quickly, quickly drawing to a close here. So. 
that obviously gets us thinking about two things, playoffs, and for those of us who will not be contending, uh, especially the Canucks fan sitting across from me, Luke. Especially. Yeah, uh, he's... Uh, no, 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 no. You didn't let me finish my <laughs> sentence. I, said, I mean, especially because there's a big trophy and a good player up for grabs in one of the awards that I'm sure we're all unanimous on at this point. I would assume so. Yeah, I would assume so. I would hope so. Um but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some NHL awards predictions. So I think we've each de- sort of devised uh, a list of our uh, winners and uh, runner-ups for the various awards. So uh, Luke, did you want to lead that? Yeah, I can. Uh, I can take it here. So starting with, um, I mean, we'll get into the more exciting ones near the end. Starting with GM of the year, um, I have Doug Wilson. I think, uh, obviously, I, my runner-up is... Now, actually, my runner-up was... I don't really know who to say. I want to say um, the Tampa GM, but... Julian Brisebois. Yeah, but I also... I think a lot of that is owed to their former GM. I don't know how much you can really contribute or attribute to Julian Brisebois. Well, um, I read, Luke, that what Julian Brisebois actually handled the majority of signings even when Eisenman was at the helm, and his resume is one of the best in the... National Hockey League. I know people... I feel like while Eiserman deserves all the credit, I feel like not enough people understand how much Breezebois did and how much of the financial aspect and, okay, and well, the cap stuff. Regard, like, but I yeah. think... I, I have a few Tampa... Um, uh, my next one was... I have a few Tampa names here, and I, I really don't know how much that really is uh, attributed to their actual position or just the fact Tampa, in all aspects, is put together as a really good team. Um, so I have Doug Wilson from the Sharks as my GM of the year, followed very closely by, I mean, I guess technically Julian Brisebois, but I, I mean, I don't really know who, um, who's to, who's to attribute their success to, honestly. Uh, I had the same selection, Doug Wilson for me. Uh, my runners up were Don Waddell of the Carolina Hurricanes, because I think uh, the additions of Dougie Hamilton, and Michael Furland really helped elevate this team to the next level. And uh, my second runner-up was uh, John Chayka of the Arizona Coyotes. I think he should get some consideration as well because of the fact that that team's been so banged up and injured all year. And uh, you look at how many trades he makes in comparison to the rest of the NHL GMs. He's constantly trying to find ways to improve that team. And, you know, Auntie Ronto went down earlier this season. You look at the play of Darcy Kemper this season. They're obviously not even anywhere close to the playoff race right now if he doesn't make that trade. So I think uh, I think John Chayka does definitely deserve some recognition, but obviously Doug Wilson's gone all in the most, and the Sharks are just hitting another gear. So I think yeah, uh, I think Doug Wilson's aggressiveness is notable for sure. Yeah, um, I didn't mention absolutely. that. Absolutely, I might go off the board a little bit, um, despite More sort of a <laughs> rough uh, a rougher off season trade. I did like. Uh, George McPhee, I like the work he's done signing Stone, um, and I feel like the way to put an expansion team to the competitive competitiveness they're at now um, is impressive. Another one, this isn't, I wouldn't give him GM of the year, but I admire... Uh, Jim Benning. No, I admire, <laughs> it's not good, it's not smart long-term, or you could argue short-term, but... Um, the move... Say the name. <laughs> Yarmo Kelk, I can't even say his name. Oh, Kekalainen. Yes, I don't... I feel like more GM should be applauded for doing that, and I, I admire his tenacity in saying, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Uh, yeah, aggressiveness. I'm going to well. lose players, yeah. so you know what? Yes, I'm going to get all these guys and, and try and make it work. I don't think that's. It's well, he not, was. I think he was in a very unique situation. I don't yeah. know if most GMs would have done that in his position. He handled it well, but 
um, he was kind of put into a crunch, and yeah, he handled it well. So I I would agree. So yeah. Uh, moving on, Jack Adams. I'll let someone else start this one. Barry Schwartz. Yeah. Do you want to give your runners up? My runners up. Yeah. Um. Did, did you not prepare runners up? Partek. Of course I did. <laughs> um. I would. Patrick. I. You know what? Call me biased, but considering the roster Montreal has, I think Claude Julien has done a pretty good job, all things considered, defensively and everything. Nick is going to make a comment right now. What? My mouth is wide open. <laughs> I have never heard somebody rip Claude Julien for some of the play, some of his lineup choices. You've like never heard? quite like you. Yeah, it's yeah, but still, he's made the system work, and I feel like the players want to play for him. But I, you know what? It's it's your pick. Nevertheless, Barry Trotz, and I think he will get it. I feel like, given that, um, given that Islanders roster and the turnover they faced in the off season, that I I think it's unanimous that he's going to get it. Okay, for me, I've got a virtual tie here at number one, but I'm going to slightly defer to one person. Uh, my pick for the Jack Adams is Bill Peters in uh, in Calgary. That team has hit, once again, another level. I think he was un- treated very unfairly in Carolina, and I think uh, he was a much better coach than he was given credit for. And you see the change to Calgary shot rates and their up-tempo play this year, and it's just gelled so well with some of the talent they have there and they've hit another gear and i think bill peters deserves a lot of credit the the man i had him virtually tied with was john cooper because okay nick that's literally okay yeah because tampa bay is just yeah 60 wins like come on and uh barry trotz would be my third choice i i have john cooper slightly over bill peters i again i don't i feel like um any tampa bay like john cooper or julian brisewell they're um, success is obviously bolstered by just everything going right about Tampa Bay. So um, very easily, Bill Peters could be argued um, to go to go above him. But I have Cooper listed as number one with Peters as my runner-up for the same reasons. I think they're fairly obvious. I uh, uh, third would be Claude Julien. Cool. Uh, I guess I'll lead this next one. Since you joking? You the first I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, we. I've got the Lady Bing Award next. I, I, yeah. I know we added that one late, so I, just, I don't I, really I, have I that much to. Um, my choice for Lady Bing Award is Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues. Um, runners up, uh, Alexander Barkov and I have Barkov Sean as Monahan. One. Yeah, and uh, I, I do think he deserves some honorable mention, although he's had a horrendous offensive season. Uh, I think it is worth mentioning that Valerie Nachuskin is on pace to be the first NHL player in history to play over 50 games and not record a single penalty minute, although he also does not have a goal this season, which is quite a statistic on its own. Yeah. Um, Luke, you said you had Barkov? I have Barkov. Um, That's not not a very crazy pick, I think. I mean, obviously you had him, but good player. Nice guy. Can't go wrong. (laughs) I have Barkov as well. Yeah, you guys have Barkov? Okay, yeah. I I, I think Barkov and uh, Barkov's a great choice for that award. Um, I just said O'Reilly just to be a little different, and I'm a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly. Um, now, if we can move on to the Selkie, and I'm going to get a little bit passionate about this one. <laughs> uh, my first choice is also Barkov. Um, my my second choice, my runner-up. Don't. Don't um, do it. I know what you're going to say. Don't do it. 
took the most face-offs. Now, <laughs> face-offs, I think, are fairly important. He has the most defensive zone face-offs as well. Strong on his feet, used in lots of defensive situations, matched up against top lines. He he matched, and he... Guys, don't put your hands in your... I, I'm he, he was matched against McDavid, paired instead. with different wingers each game, going to put up 60-plus points. He didn't have constant... Like, Bo Horvat is a... <laughs> All right, he's my he's my Patrick's runner up. on the stream there. Um, uh, moving on. What what about you guys? What do you guys have? I had Barkov and I had Patrice Bergeron because those are Selkie. Play, those are players who are actually worthy of the Selkie. Okay, I'm I have, sorry. I, I have the easiest. Okay, pick. maybe not yet, but Horvat's going to win one in the next I have, five years. I have the easiest pick, and I think he should have won one already, and he should absolutely 200 percent be getting the recognition for this. Is Mark Stone? That is my Selkie vote. He literally carried an Ottawa dead corpse team on his back for 60 or so games and now he's just making the Vegas Golden Knights an absolute force and I think like he's so good in both zones like he to me is just one of the most unbelievable players to watch my runners up were uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Sidney Crosby I took a pretty analytical view to this one yeah um I, I feel like there's a, if you guys follow Andrew Berkshire, he's a very, very interested in analytics, and he wrote for Sportsnet this year. Um, no one in the NHL this season has as many total loose puck recoveries in the offensive zone um, at 5-on-5 five five as Crosby, with O'Reilly is right behind him at 574. Uh, in the defensive zone, it's a race between Barkov and Bergeron for loose puck recoveries. He leads the league among forwards in that area. Um, beating the competition with 618, which is nearly 50 more. Loose than puck them. recoveries? Yeah. There's not a loose a huge, puck and you recover Not a huge fan of that stat, but... Okay, well, well all on. I'm saying is I wouldn't have put Bo Horvat. Obviously... I, I understand, but I feel like you need to... There's, there's, I, I wouldn't have Bo Horvat within a mile of this award, but okay. uh, I can see what you'd think Whatever. <laughs> Norris. Uh, Norris picks. Um, mine was the sort of hipster pick of this year, and uh, Mark Giordano is my Norris pick. I also have Mark Giordano. Is that Giordano. the hipster pick this year? I feel like that's... yeah. Well, like he, he's anyways? been like the he's been sort of the uh, the hipster pick for years now. Yeah, but at this point, I feel like at it's, this it's point, I think he's like I think he's it's a pretty obvious that, vote yeah. for me. He's putting up points at nearly a point per game clip. Yeah, I have. And Mark he's Giordano also well. been very effective. I defensively. also have Mark Giordano. Do you have uh, Mark Giordano? I have Mark Giordano. Okay, okay. Uh, my runners up were uh, Brent Burns and Morgan Riley. I had Morgan Riley. I did not have Morgan Riley. I, I can see why you wouldn't have Morgan Riley. Uh, the, the one guy I wanted to throw in there just really badly was Eric Gustafson. <laughs> I wanted oh, him Rain in that, like that I wanted him in that top 3 really Can't badly. You just said that. Yeah, I just couldn't find a way to do it. I, I, Morgan I, like look as think as as much as I think uh I've voiced thoughts on Morgan Riley and how I think he's not as good as his team is. Um he obviously deserves some recognition for the points he's putting up and he is anchoring uh Ron Hainsey so that does deserve a little bit of uh recognition i think it's safe to say like for me he's been one of the top defensemen this year now i have a uh follow-up question to the norris trophy uh for two follow-up questions first do you guys believe in something such as a defensive defenseman no it doesn't exist nope and we can go on about this for a while nick and i have had this conversation for far too long off Uh, air it is not there's only such thing as offensive defensemen and and defensemen that aren't good at offense Yes. So the best offensive defenseman. If you're an offensive defenseman, you're the best defenseman on your team. So then my follow-up question uh, just sounds stupid now. Should there be two awards? No. 
Well, what for most defensive defensemen? Defense to split it up defensive. And no, I don't, I don't. But, why, I don't, but you don't. But that'd be getting an award for not being as good. So, look, yeah. I think <laughs> I think maybe maybe there's too much. Like who? Give um, me an exa- give me an example. Because like who 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 would be someone to get? So like the, you think? Um, no, I'm not comparing skill. I'm comparing style. You think someone like uh, I'll use Eric Carlson and Chris Tanev. You think they play? <sighs> Like that, that, they're two totally different styles of defense. Um, Chris Tanev doesn't score, but he's a wall. Like, but it's like it's like the the, the big. The, I think the big discussion about defensive defensemen sparked when <clears throat> there was like the the split fandom towards Chris Russell and the Edmonton Oilers, and <sighs> the analytics people hated him, and everyone who was about grit loved him. Um, a wall is in block shots and hits, and he's like quote unquote hard to play against. Like, I don't. I'm asking because I don't know what the second award would be would be for. Like Car- Eric Carlson is the best defenseman, and he in the in the league. So I don't see how I don't I, I don't get it. Like who would get the second award? Why why Chris Tanev? And what does it well, mean? To, what does I, it no, mean I'm to be? I'm definitely not saying Chris Tanev would win defensive defenseman. But, but what I'm do you mean a wall? Like I wall. I feel there's two there's explicitly different styles of defense, um, and I think both maybe should be recognized. I I think someone like a Chris Tanev style player should be recognized even though he doesn't put up points but okay so he plays a more defensive style of hockey than eric carlson so i feel like not saying he's better yeah but, no that makes sense oh obviously but I, that makes sense there are certain players who don't put up as many points but are equal not equally but are able to p- drive the play to a certain level which makes them better defensively than say someone who doesn't drive the play if you're not driving the play that makes you one of the so i don't i don't know i don't watch vancouver i don't know enough about chris tanup to know does he drive the play does he join the rush or is he like strictly like a stay-at-home defenseman yeah, stay at home. De- there, that's a yeah. I should have said that. That's a term that people are familiar with. A stay at home defenseman. That's not a bad thing. That in some cases is a good thing, compared to, um, compared to a def- like a. And I'm definitely not saying a a skating puck moving defenseman is a bad thing. But compared to a puck moving defenseman, uh, they're two totally different styles of hockey. It's, it's it's like, it's said to be safer to be a. And we've seen this with GMs. Even some of the more modern GMs are still taking the approach to get guys on their third and fourth pair. Someone who has the reputation, say someone such as Carl Alsner, who has who's known to be a defensive stalwart, who's a wall in the back end, who can block shots and stuff like that. That makes sense when you explain it like that. But but in terms of making it when I say a wall, I don't literally mean like he blocks he hits, a lot yeah. of shots. I, yeah. I mean I guess I should have said stay at home defenseman. I, I kind of want to jump in here because I, I haven't gotten a word in edgewise between you two. Uh, no, I absolutely think there shouldn't be no award whatsoever for the, that type of defenseman because I think just the way the game's going, uh, to recognize that would be sort of adverse to what should be recognized in a defenseman. I think the best defensemen in the league are all good point producers as well. Yeah. And I, if anything needs to be changed, it's how... Uh, traditional hockey media men view defensemen. That's what needs to be and, changed. And GMs, I feel like. And GMs, oh, yeah. There, there are only a, a select few teams that have taken a more analytical approach that have actually made an effort to change that mindset. Um, and I feel like it makes sense to, to say, oh, well, if you block a lot of shots, it's it's you're a good defenseman. And it's not to say that blocking shots makes you a bad player, but if your entire uh, reputation is predicated upon the idea that all you do is block shots and you take hits and you're hard to play against and you stay in your own and it just it's just emphasizing the fact that you play on your heels and you're allowing more shots than you're than you're creating. So, all right, I think last point on this, uh, we said we said it last week, 
there's a reason Sweden, Finland are producing the best defensemen right now. It's because those are the defensemen that are told when they're young to rush the puck, get involved in the play, and not simply rely on shot blocking and your defensive play. So that's yeah, that's fair enough. My thoughts on it. All right, uh, Luke Vesna. Vesna, who'd you have? I went a little. Well, I don't know if this is off board. Um, I have Ben Bishop. Yeah. Um, very closely uh, uh, followed by Lanner. Dallas, I think, is a not as good of a team. Um, I don't really... You think? <laughs> pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I have Bishop. And then because the next trophy, uh, the next award, I omitted any runner-ups uh, because there shouldn't be any. should be unanimous, but we'll get to that in a second. I have Bennington in here as well. Like, obviously, he's not going to win. Um, I think he should at least be uh, acknowledged, recognized in the conversation in some way. He's been phenomenal. Um, mine were a bit different. I had Frederick Anderson uh, as my winner from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I think he faces a p- pretty dangerous quality of shots sometimes just because his team isn't very strong defensively. And uh, I think without him, they'd be a lot worse off than they currently are. And uh, my runner-up, very close, was Ben Bishop because he, uh, at 5v5, the Dallas Stars have a 940 save percentage this year, which is unbelievable. Um, And he's a very big part of that and a reason why they're in the position that they are and they haven't really been... uh, Past years, we've seen them struggle sort of in the later ends of the playoff race, but they're pretty comfortably in this year. And uh, my third vote was Robin Leonard, big respects, because of what he's opened up with. And uh, I we didn't write them down, I don't think, but Bill Masterson trophy, absolutely Robin Leonard for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pat? I have Robin Leonard as well as my number one. And then as for my number two, um, more of a controversial goaltender. Um, I feel like because he's on such a good team, people underestimate how good he actually is. I think Andre Vasilevsky is a very good goalie, um, and I don't think enough people... Talk about that. Honorable mention, call me biased, Carey Price, since the start of the new year, has been standing on his head and writing. Since the start of the new year, then I can say Jacob Markstrom. Stop. Okay. Okay. Say Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom. We're finding a way to throw the Habs in every award. No, I feel like he had a really rough start, and he was dreadful, and I'd be the first one to tell you that. But since getting back from his injury and coming into the new year, he's been able to kind of shut out the outside, the voices, the media, and and really play the best hockey I've seen in a while from him and, and... I feel like he's, if they get in, he's been the one to carry them, to carry them. Uh, oh, because his name's Carey Price. Yeah. Okay. Did everyone, did all our listeners pick up on that? <laughs> okay. Um, let's move on from that. Calder. All right, this bro, should bro, be bro, a I'll ten, let, I'll let This you, should be a 10 second. I'll, I'll let you go through this one. Elias Pedersen. If anyone says anything else. Yeah. Uh, who did you have as your runners up? I didn't have one. There oh, you didn't have, you did, no, no, really? no, but I said, there. like, I said, I didn't say runners up as in, like, guys that were close. I mean, just, like, who else did you have nominated? Because that's at least a debate. There's at least five or six <laughs> okay, guys sure. that second, can get the tour in Second place rookie of the year. Uh, either the goalies, probably, Bennington or Hart. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're, they're like, they're so, they're so far. So, my turn. 
Oh, Patrick. I have. If, oh, if you say, if I, I had Elias Berry cocking at me at once, I'm leaving the room and not I have coming back. Elias Pettersson at number one. And number two, I have Andreas Janssen of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is having a tremendous season. He currently has I'm 20 scowling. goals, 22 assists, 42 points. He's one point behind Brady Kachuk, which is second in. Uh, second in rookie scoring uh Janssen's playing really well I like the way he plays playing well for Toronto so and still hot to the touch after (sighs) is that really that hot of a take though honestly I think it's brutally hot hot. like he's not bad look at all the other options there's a significant drop off after Pedersen in terms of points because usually it tends to go by points I I think is 65 and then it's Kachuk with 43 and and Janssen with 42 but 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 he plays with uh, who Austin Matthews Johnson. Does he play with Matthews? Yes, he plays with Austin Matthews. Um, Calder, for me, vote was Elias Pettersson. My runner-up was Rasmus Dahlin. I thought that one, to me, that one was obvious. Uh, third, I had a debate over, but I said Miro Haskinen of the Dallas Stars. Yep. He's eating up a lot of minutes and playing very good hockey. Uh, f- my fourth would be Bennington. I think he deserves recognition for dragging the Stars. And I'd throw Brady Kachuk, probably in fifth, Kakanyemi six, and Johnson Kockney seven. Yemi. Yeah. Okay. Good player. All right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ted Lindsay. Uh, for me, my pick was Nikita Kucherov. Same. Uh, my runners up were Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I same, not Draisaitl. Yeah, I, had but... I had Kane after Draisaitl. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's understandable. I think there's a lot. That that one's pretty open ended. Because yeah. there's been a lot of players that have had pretty outstanding years, but, um, yeah, Kucherov was like the runaway for me. He's been outstanding. Um, Hart no. Trophy, Patrick. Did you want to start this one? The Hart. Now, hold on, hold on. Before we do this, before we do Hart, let me just can I just read the definition of what the Hart Trophy is, and Absolutely. then and then we'll get into it. I have it here. Annually awarded to the player judged most valuable to his team. Okay, go, Patrick. So you're gonna find a way to make this, Elias Pettersson, but okay, Patrick, Patrick Kane. Okay, no question, Patrick no. Kane. Do you want to like explain it a little bit? We're just gonna no Patrick Kane. That's it. I Patrick feel like Kane. I feel like what he does every single year is just unbelievable. He has 105 points again, and there was earlier on this season when they almost actually had a pretty close playoff push, and he was the one riding the ship. And despite having a bad year, not despite Chicago having a bad year, he's managed to do that. Um, runner up, most valuable to their team, uh, Luke. I know you're gonna say Elias Pettersson. I'm not. I have. I'm gonna wait, but I—it's not. Patterson isn't even in my no. Continue. I don't, I don't have a runner-up. I, I, I think it's single-handedly Kane, and I feel like really yes. Wow. Okay, Luke. I have McDavid, yeah. and he's a good player. I get yelled at a lot for that because he doesn't play on a good team. I think. I think that should be abolished. It is heavily considered. People in that this think role. people that think the Hart winner has to be on a good team—that's insane. Like Hart winner, most valuable to his team. If anything, no. In some situations, playing on a bad team might make might give you might make you a better option mcdavid is doing what he's doing on a terrible team basically whatever whatever player you you want to you want to throw in for the heart imagine their team without him edmonton without mcdavid i mean aside from dry what is that team it, when you want if you want like i know none of you said kucherov but if you said kucherov tampa without kucherov still yet. gonna be fine yeah but edmonton yeah. without mcdavid chicago without kane obviously worse but Sp- Speaking of, if we can do like a mini segue here, McDavid actually, when asked about how frustrated he is to well, miss the playoffs, he said his frustration. No, just because it's a segue. 
unless you don't want to talk about it now. Sorry, Nick, well, do your thing. Yeah, I've got my pick still. Um, but it, just a point to what Luke was saying, I think the Hart Trophy and Norris Trophy, both in some way, have become a bit of a crapshoot because um, players that aren't in the playoffs aren't being recognized. And that that, that that's like, I, I'm not okay with that. Um, and if anything, I think the Hart Trophy recently has become uh, which player dragged their mediocre team into the playoffs. Like we saw the nominees last year, Hall and McKinnon were like the two front runners, but both their teams are blown out in the first round anyway. So why does that person get considered more than a Connor McDavid? I think the Hart Trophy needs to separate itself from the Ted Lindsay a lot more than it is. Yeah, they're too similar. I agree. Um, but nonetheless, my picks, my number one winner, to me, it's not close. And you guys are going to yell at me because you just said it. My number one pick was Nikita Kucherov. He, he has, he is chasing history here. For He already matched last night. He is now the holder of the best season in the salary cap era. That's not the point, and though. That's chasing, an individual stat. Know, and the trophy is, is in reference is, to your team. He is wheeling the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have hit another level simultaneous with Nikita Kucherov hitting another level. My second pick was Sebastian Ajo. I have him right up there because, again, he is willing the Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes are a good team. But it's not as if Kucherov wasn't there that, that Tampa wouldn't still be in that position. Kucherov is incredible. Kucherov is, one of the, is doing one of the— They wouldn't be anywhere close to 60 wins. Would they, would they be even—they'd be down where Montreal is right now trying to get into the playoffs. If you remove that. 100, I don't see that. Kucherov is an incredible points. player, but in reference to his team, he's not the most valuable compared to but, but someone else. You're removing yeah, 115 points. What is it? Or no, it's sorry, it's over 120. It's like 125 points from your lineup. Brain Point therefore doesn't have as many goals as he does. You're you're looking at worse production from Yanni Gord. It's affecting their power play because it's their special teams that have made them insanely good this year. He is all I get it, the but driving I, I, force. I feel like it's it's like Luke said. It's it's always relative to your team, right? So well, that's what that's like what the me, definition of the award. is. I know, and that's what I think. That that's what I recognize at least. When like for me, this one's not even close. I and yeah. How dare you have my, a differing opinion? <laughs> yeah. My my third place vote was Sidney Crosby. Because Penguins are not as good as they have been, and Sidney Crosby is playing very good hockey. And he's not bad at the sport, so <laughs> that's. There's the hot take of the day. Sidney Crosby's good, <laughs> folks. There it is. All right. All um, right. A few pieces of news. Pat, do you want to use your segue now? Yeah. So just because we were mentioned talking about Connor McDavid, um, the Oilers have missed the playoffs eleven of the last twelve, or was it twelve of the last thirteen? Either way, it's bad. And he uh, was speaking, and he said that his frustration level is the highest it's been um, in the NHL. And I think it's good on players, uh, given the circumstances, to call out their management. And I feel like uh, McDavid did the right thing. It's unfortunate. Um, and just looking at a lineup without, <laughs> if Peter Shirley didn't touch it, their top nine would be Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Eberle, Hall, Dreisaitl, Bouvillier, Pouliot, Barzal, and Cassian. Um, it's unfortunate that... Obviously, it wouldn't be exactly... No, it wouldn't exactly, that, but given the... Yeah, yeah you know. know. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like uh, it's unfortunate that a player um, with the skill set of Connor McDavid doesn't get to compete for the playoffs once again, and I'm not too sure how Edmonton is going to turn this around with the damage that Shirley did, but um, 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that that players should uh, yeah should I be think, calling out? I, I know Michael did it should. a couple years ago. Um, I think they should in the situation McDavid's in. I think he has every right, and that's very warranted, um, and especially <laughs> sort of like a first step. Obviously, McDavid's not saying he wants out of Edmonton or anything, but yeah, I think that's a that's a reasonable opinion. That's a very reasonable opinion to have at this point, especially from you know the captain, like. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but that type of maybe um, not seeing eye to eye is yeah. kind of the best of best of both sides there. Yeah, when you're the best player in the world right now and your team isn't in the playoffs and you and another guy have both over 100 points, th- there's no excuse. No excuse here. He has absolutely every right to call out the Oilers in their front office. And call me Mr. Chaos... But I hope the Oilers miss again next year, and he demands a trade just because I want to yep. see the scenes. I want yep. him out of Edmonton. I want him, yeah, out. I want him yep. out of Edmonton. I I, I was so pissed when, uh, although Ottawa's in the division, I was pissed when Buffalo didn't win the draft lottery because I feel like my appreciation for Connor McDavid isn't as high as it should be because I don't get to watch him ever. Yeah. I want him out of Edmonton. Yeah. I think it's better for hockey. Literally, that yeah. organization is a dumpster fire. Um. Plus, I'd be interested to see what the return in the trade would be. Yeah, <laughs> that would be something. Jeff Blashill, cover Jeff this Blaschel. quickly. Yeah. Uh, Two-year extension. Wings fans are not happy. Um, I get why they aren't happy. Detroit has been playing atrocious hockey. He's not the best coach, but I feel like this is just sort of a a two-year window to see what can you do when the younger players come up. Zadina is going to be coming up as well um, to see how they do, and if not, then he'll be gone. And I don't think his what he's getting paid is outrageously high. Um, I'm also not sure like what, who else could they have added that's on the market that would want to go to Detroit. I don't know. There's always coaches available. Um, I feel like I, I feel like Detroit could have waited here. I, I don't th- feel like there was a rush to extend Jeff Blaschel. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any league that rewards failure quite as much as the NHL does. Yeah, um, Jeff Blaschel has done absolutely nothing notable in his time with Detroit. Um, and if they wanted to, if they're serious about rebuilding, I think this was the ample time to make a coaching switch. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Vinny back in the, the ship. I think he's a good coach. I think he's just dreadful. Hmm. <laughs> you, you want? You, do we want to? I think, I think he's very average. I think he's a very average coach. I think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, I think he's precisely good at nothing. Uh, he. I think he's good at constantly. Everything. I think he's the reason Ottawa was. Uh, as good as they were in 2016-17, making the Eastern Conference Final because... Had to bring Ottawa. Ale- no. Well, Ale- I'm I'm supporting <laughs> reason for this. Aline Vigneault, um, he was scratching Pavel Butchnevich for Tanner Glass. Yeah, that's the kind of coach Aline Vigneault is. If you want that behind your bench, I mean, go for it. But I'm not, a, I'm not an Aline Vigneault guy. I hope if Ottawa does decide to not rehire, or sorry, keep Mark Crawford on as head coach, which I really hope they don't. No, he's not a very good I hope they don't touch Elaine Vigneault with a 100-foot pole because, yikes. Now, there was rumors that Benoit Grew would be a potential candidate for Ottawa. If he Is he still in Syracuse? I have no idea, to be honest, where Benoit Grew's at. I like him. I think he's the, he's the next young and up-and-coming uh, coach who could have an impact on, on a younger team. Yeah, so. he's he's an interesting case. I mean, 
I feel like we're seeing a lot more coaches uh, not come through Ben Walker's route, so like the Canadian Hockey League and coaching there. I think we're seeing a lot more come from the collegiate circuit. Yep. Jim Montgomery, uh, what's the Rangers coach first name? Quinn? David Quinn? Alan Quinn? I don't know, something like that. Quinn Hughes. Stop. Stop. That's the main Quinn. Um, but yeah, we're seeing a lot more come from that. Um, Ted Granado, obviously, was another like good collegiate coach. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Benoit Gru. I, I think it's worth considering. I think Ottawa should be very, very open in this coaching search that they do. All I know is he's close with Julian Breezeball, who I pumped tires yesterday or today. The one thing I'm looking forward to this offseason is where Steve Eisenman going. <laughs> it's got to be Detroit, Detroit, right? Detroit, yeah. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No it um, it almost certainly has to be Detroit. Like I, I think that's a match made in heaven. Good timing for that. Um, uh, last night, one more thing: John Tavares returns to Long Island again. <laughs> Great. And the same thing happened again. Um, what really made me mad, I saw it this morning, was the video of the guy beside. I think that was a penalty box, right? Kind of going off on him. Yeah, that was that was a little unnecessary. I I'm all for um, fans you know, expressing their discontent, even though maybe I don't think it's warranted. That's fine with me. If you're unhappy with how a player handled something, go for it. But they're just being. That was vicious. That was, yeah. Like that, that was borderline personal. Yeah. That he's right there sitting alone and you're just screaming at him. And he's like, he's John Tavares is looking at the guy. He obviously hears him. That's just unnecessary. Yeah. No, I know that felt personal. And honestly, there's probably something wrong with him to, to get that upset about a player. He didn't know leaving a team, making his own personal decision um, for the best of his career. Um, I do understand the frustration from Islanders fans losing a franchise player, but at the end of the day, it's his decision, and there's nothing he can really do. And I feel like when it gets personal uh, like that, to the extent it did last night, then there's I just, no need I for that. I just I can't believe Islanders it, fans it, it, would be so, mad at John Tavares. That, that was a bit much. That That's whole thing. Like, you can't it, see why they're mad at him. You have to no, understand I'm, why I'm saying after everything he did. Like, sure. Um, no. Yeah. I saw a tweet. It was from like uh, one one of the notable Leaf fan accounts on Twitter that said, "Imagine booing your favorite player in history, or sorry, your best player in team history." But I, I guess they blatantly ignored the uh, existence of Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, and Denny Potvin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously the penalty boxing is taking it a little too far with John Tavares. I'm all for the chance and the fun because that yeah. first game uh, that they played against each other was really fun, and it was really cool to see all that. Um, we need more atmospheres like that. And uh, I looked at it the other day. As of yesterday, if we were back in the traditional 1-8 to eight playoff format, the Leafs and Islanders would be playing each other in the first round. Um, that would be something. I also heard a... Um, Who did I hear that from? A rumor that maybe NHL is going back to 1-8? Yeah, that's, that's another thing that's being reported. Chris Johnston uh, from Sportsnet was the first one to report that. I would love to see that. I, uh, I personally... I don't mind this playoff format. I don't. I really don't. I like, I've like. i liked some of the first-round series we've seen in the past couple of years. Like I think San Jose-Vegas, the fact that we're getting that in the first round is outstanding. We're going to get one of St. Louis-Nashville. There's three possible series in the Central. We're either going to get St. Louis-Nashville, St. Louis-Winnipeg, or... Uh, Winnipeg-Nashville in the first round. Like I think but that's outstanding. Do you, do you want Winnipeg-Nashville... In the in the first round, yes, but. I would love to see those two duke it out completely healthy in the first round. I think that's way better than banged up teams in the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, I think those two just duking it out right away 
is way better. I like that we get Pittsburgh and Washington early every yeah. year, like in the second round, because they're healthier. And, they get and, to duke it out like that. And going back to what we talked about, that this wasn't as seen. It was an issue that that people were frustrated with, but it wasn't seen as as big a deal until the Leafs were making the playoffs. They're playing. This is their third time playing Boston in four years or no it's only the I think their third time no, in like it's two a, years or no something. no it's the second time that's in what two it years. seems like third time in, uh, it's the second time in two years they play they play 12th time them. in two years anyway all i'm saying is boston played montreal in the first round three times in four years um through seven and eight and then ten eleven uh it's as for Leafs fans or anyone who who's used to seeing the same first round opponent it's something yeah that they're going to get used to because teams tend to not it fall happens. off. That's yeah, and teams aren't going to fall off that quickly either. Vancouver, um, Chicago, 2009, 10, 11, I think. That happens. Like, And if anything, it makes it more exciting when you do win. So Yes, I, like, I think like it, it, <laughs> there's more excuse. Like, Let's say uh, they, we'll use Toronto-Boston as an example. Let's say Boston's super banged up in the f- second round of the playoffs and they lose to Toronto in seven games. Okay, well, now they have the excuse. Oh, well, we had this player injured. Okay, well, it wasn't a fair series. This player got injured. Boston fans are going to sit there and complain. You can use any team as an example like that. I like healthy teams battling it out in the first round. Yeah, plus it makes it more exciting. I know Leafs fans. Absolutely. Um, at Matt Mallard, who is even more excited to play the Bruins again because of the history and because of what's happened. And I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Can we get into that? Um, two first, two first round matchups are set in stone. Uh, let's start with Boston, Toronto. I have Boston in six. Yes, yeah, so do I. Um, in six. I just, you know, I, I don't see Toronto winning. Or beating Boston this year. Toronto's been struggling recently. Uh, I kn- now let me preface both these series. Um, I think both series will be a lot closer than um, sort of what I'm saying. I have Boston in six, and I also have um, Vegas in five. But we can get to that wow. in a second. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's I, round table here on yeah, Boston. Yeah, so Toronto. I, I Boston Toronto. Um, I think it will be closer this year than compared to last year's. Um, how, how can much, you get clo- how, much how can you get closer than seven games? Game seven overtime. No, sorry, or? wait, that's probably weird. I feel like it's not going to go to six. It's not going to go to six. It's not going to go to six. No, I think it's going to go to seven. What? What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, can you just say who you have? Well, one of the two teams is going to win. I know <laughs> that for sure. Wow. <laughs> no, I, Hot no, takes here on take to take. I have Boston in seven easily. Okay. Boston in seven easily. Easily. So it's going to be a. An easy seven <laughs> no, games. Like, okay, they're going to ex- win the first no, three games. No, because it's going to be close, but <laughs> no matter what it comes down Toronto, to. They're going to let okay. Toronto win the next All right, three. Hang on, hang on, Just hang so on. they hang can on. stop, stop, them stop. Again the game All right, seven. hang on, hang on. Okay, let them. Okay. Let them. God. I have Boston, but I think it'll be close. That is okay. the end of my take. We so can move on. Set, okay, all right, whatever, whatever. Nick, what do you have? I got Boston in six. I'm like you. Um, Was that a a close six or a blowout six? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we're going to see it similar to last year. I think it, it, for me, it's whoever wins that first game is going to win that series. Well, I I said that last year. Whoever wins the first game is going to win the series. I think home ice is going to be very important in that series. Um, I think Boston is going to do what they did last year. I think they're going to win the first two. They're going to maybe get one in Toronto. Toronto's going to give a little fight back, and then Boston's going to win it. That's just how I see it going in. Um, quickly, it's usually how it works. Quickly, so. San Jose, Vegas. We had a couple Vegas in five. Um, again, I think it's going to be closer. Wow. This is going to be a uh, close five, uh, closer than it seems. I think Fleury's going to, as always, stand on his head. I think Vegas is going to... Um, you know, I think Vegas is going to be the first team to make it to the second round. I have Vegas in six. 
All right, I've got close six. <laughs> I've got San Jose in six. Um, because of that defenseman. If, if Eric Carlson's back, I he gives that San Jose that much more of an edge for me. I don't know. Uh, you quickly, Eric Carlson fan? Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, Pat, did you uh, you you like to fit in like a little uh, Habs blurb at the end of the episode here? We got, we got thirty doing? seconds before know. we go off air. Okay, they're one Put point out of the wild card spot. Um, are games even Columbus. now? Games are even. Games are even. Um, actually, 70, I'm pretty sure they're tied with at Columbus. At 79? Yeah. No, right. no, they're not tied with Columbus. Um, I they were, but they hit Columbus, Columbus had 94 ROWs. points. Montreal's got 92. Carolina's got 93 right, right in the middle. So tonight, Toronto needs to win. Montreal needs to beat Tampa. And this is... The, <laughs> what? <laughs> they're playing the third string goalie. Hedman is out. So you know what? Cheering for the Habs. They also signed Ryan Paling, Caden Primo, but... Yep. Nobody seems to care. No, so moving on. No, entirely correct. Yeah, those are two top prospects, and you like to see it. Uh, I was also excited about Ottawa signing uh, Joey Decord from Arizona State University. Uh, Vancouver signed someone, I'm sure. I don't know. I think they did sign somebody who's yeah. like there actually was like a goalie. I, I saw yeah, okay, Luke. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, I like the end of the college season, seeing where everybody signs. No, that's good for Montreal to get two of their top prospects under wraps there. Yeesh. All right, and I think that just about does it for today's episode of Take to Take. Uh, next week, what do we got on tap? I think we're going to do a bunch of draft lottery preview. And playoff predictions. Playoff predictions, absolutely. It will More be set just what you heard week. here. It yes. will be set next week. Uh, and Montreal we'll, will be in. I think by next week, Toronto will already be down a few games. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll run the draft lottery simulator a few times. And just because we love Patrick, when Montreal is eliminated by this time next week, we'll be doing a full storm surge episode. Lots of skull claps. Yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, whatever, man. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. This has been Take to Take with Nick Robinson, Luke Burrows, and Patrick Talon. We'll see you in the season finale of Take to Take next week. Good night, or good afternoon. (laughs) Good morning.